Hey. Hey. Sorry, my phone was lost in the couch. A lot of digging happened, but now I'm here. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Um, so good evening, everyone. Welcome to the wonderful world of Stardust. And I am here today with the lovely um, Emily Murdoch, who's playing Clementine. Hi. Um, today, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. Um, we're going to be talking about um, theater, writing, like my journey as a writer, um, Emily's journey with theater and writing, and the show a little bit. And we'll also talk, we'll also get into um, Evan and Clem. But to start, we'll like, we'll start with like how this all um, started. Started. Yeah, how it all started. Um, so I guess to start, I feel like I always had like a certain love for stories. I feel like everyone to an extent likes stories. Yeah. Um, but I think that like when you're like an actor or a writer or a director or just like creative, you just have a, a different kind of love for it. Yeah, you can um, definitely connect with these things. You can see it in your head. It's a different... Yeah, and yeah, it's like you want to be a part of it. It's like you want to do it. Um, yes. And I always felt that as a kid. Like I can, I have certain memories as a kid of me great I have a memory of me writing like attempting to write like a screenplay (laughs) um for I was writing a screenplay for like a sweet life of Zach and Cody like movie (laughs) like before before like two years before no three years before the movie the actual movie came out I was like wow they they need to run me my check because I thought of it first (laughs) all right um like I really like like they didn't have it in the vault like <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> please um, and then I have that's all that matters right um and I have other memories of just like writing because I was very into like I was very into reading like I was an avid re- reader as a child like I was one of those children mm-hmm. that like in elementary school that had like a high like you're oh you're in third grade and you have a have a junior year reading level yeah. like you're a loser yeah you know it was that I was that kid um and so I you know would try to I tried my hand at writing novels um and you know there will be times I would try to go back to screenplay writing but obviously like at you know 10 I didn't really have the it just I wasn't there yet um and then I kind of put it down for a while and then uh, and then um through doing you know this acting course um through the tutoring program that I was forced to go to because my grades were terrible (laughs) um (laughs) um I met a woman who forced me to do um, Muncie Civic Theater. Shout out to Muncie Civic Theater and everyone who's Shout done out. Muncie Civic Theater. Um, and yeah, she was, she helped me with my audition for Midsummer Night's Dream, which is a really weird play. I that play is weird. Play. One of these Maybe. days, 
honestly, one of these days we need to have a podcast episode where me and you just talk about <laughs> Shakespeare because his shit is weird. Like that's why I know he is ghostwriters. <laughs> definitely because it's like it's just weird like it's just very weird like I don't even know how he even comes I mean he steals a lot of his concepts but <laughs> I mean so does Disney it's like who are you Lion King was it's a like, whole rip off of Hamlet so I don't know it's like who are you stealing from because like I know this is not yeah <laughs> yeah exactly but I just want to know like who did you steal Hamlet from because I feel like <laughs> Hamlet is just a monstrosity on the, it's the so earth. Good. That it's not. It's not. It's but so anyway, good. we'll see. We'll have a we'll have yeah. a Shakespeare episode, and we'll just dish about. <laughs> we'll just have a whole Shakespeare series, and it will just be me and you <laughs> discussing Shakespeare. talking shit about Shakespeare. Just <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but yeah. So doing that show, and then getting more into theater, and. Um, yeah, just doing theater with like, you know, Alexis, who's playing Alexis Harper, who's playing Brooke, um, shout out to her and Lucy East, who's playing Violet, um, Chaley Smith and Chaley Smith, who's playing Olive and Kaylin Mellon, who's playing Holly, like just doing theater with those wonderful girls. Um, I got that sort of, that sort of kid came back where I was interested in theater again and I didn't. It wasn't until um, sophomore year that I like really got into playwriting mm-hmm. because you know at first you know it was just theater was just kind of something I was doing like for my freshman year it was just kind of something I did um, I kind of thought of it the same way like a lot of kids think of like a sport like I was like oh yeah you know I just do theater after school like I just go after school and dance and sing whatever whatever you know like I, I wasn't that into it like I didn't go home and listen to like cast recordings it kind of just was like you know I learned my lines because I'm in the show (laughs) that's pretty much you know that was pretty much it um but it was so sophomore year I had a class called theater production with Miss Ruth and yeah yes Muncie Central had theater classes um I think that's so cool public school um a public school like near like a marginalized community like with theater classes definitely having theater classes like that was so important um and the fact that you know the head of those theater classes was a professional theater actress like a professional theatrical actress like that's so amazing that's so magical to me it's amazing because before central um and south side had merged uh the our teacher she was at Southside and Central only had English teachers and another actress who um, did perform a lot, Miss H. Um, she's now Miss Holt Settler. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's at Yorktown. Town, but but they, they were good, but her the theater classes weren't in-depth because she was also a speech teacher and she was also like an English teacher and things of that mm-hmm. sort. She was also doing other things. Um, when we merged and Miss H left, Roos took over and she only had to do her theater classes and it just blossomed. And for about three years, it was the best program oh, yes. that, oh my gosh. that Muncie Central had. Yeah. It was amazing. That's... There were so many classes. There were monologue classes. You could get headshots done. You could go into tech um theater which is learning about 
everything behind the stage and lights and stuff and then your intro to theater and things like that and it was absolutely yeah and then and then the beautiful you also had theater arts history and so freshman year I had learned pretty much all of the stuff I was going to be learning in English freshman year so when I got to English class like sophomore year like I was good because I knew most of the terms so theater arts history was like theater and English rolled up into one and it was you know English class covering something that I yes, had an initial understand. Yeah, and that I had initial interest in. So that was nice. Um but the class I was in sophomore year, I had theater production. I had uh tech theater two as well. Um uh, I had tech theater one freshman year and theater arts history. That those are the two classes I had freshman year. And the sophomore year I had tech theater two and then which is a second year tech theater, obviously. And then I had theater production. So theater production was, is the class where, so, so the way the class works is you put on a one act play and you put it on for the school, like at the end of the, at the end of the year. Um, Cause it's a second semester class. Um, and so basically class is just, working on that play but there's a Mm -hmm. there's like a three to four week period where um you haven't chose the play yet because you don't choose the play immediately like you have to work up to that and usually like that first week you'll just be playing like theater games like just regular like theater games you know just like zip zap zop and like the you game and all that stuff you know yeah and then um which we're we we need to have a day where we just talk about being a theater kid in high school because that, oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, so the the first week or two is probably going to be just like theater games, whatever. Um, and then that like third week, that's when you start like having like more assignments. Yeah. And so our assignment was like we had to write monologues. Um, So basically we had to write a monologue for a character from a play that was just like in our head or whatever. And it had got me thinking about all of these different concepts and all. And I, you know, I never thought before like, Oh, well, you know, what if I wrote a play? Like I never had that thought in my mind. And then, you know, my mind went to these many different places. And um, I wrote this, I wrote this monologue um, from the perspective of, this black character who was in uh, an, an interracial relationship, like an interracial queer um, relationship in the 1960s. Um, and I was like, I, you know, I looked at Mrs. Johnson who was helping out with that class at the time. Um, shout out to Miranda Johnson. Um, yes. I was, I was like, I want to turn this into a play. And she was like, I would totally watch that. Like you definitely should. Um, and then I sort of did, I, I wrote, um, a 10 scene short little play um, about this interracial couple in the 1960s um, called Sparkle. Um, It's not that good, but you know, I I wrote it. um, And that kind of was where my desire for playwriting really started. Um, But I kind of just at that, that that point I kind of just dabbled in it because I was still doing a lot of theater and I had yeah. school. And so being a writer was just not something I took as seriously because I was like 16, 17. 
Um, and so I was mostly focusing on actually doing theater because, you know, I got into theater through being an actor. So being a writer was just kind of like second, like, you know, yeah, like third, I would say third nature, not even like second nature, like third or fourth nature, you know, um, if that's even, if that can even be a term. It's like a hobby (laughs) Um, that's not really your hobby. You just kind of do sometimes. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. So it, you know, yeah. So, um, so it wasn't until wasn't until because because during the summertime after sophomore year I had all these ideas and I read out all these ideas and you know like they just would never see fruition and I just could not figure out why I would have this great concept or what I thought was a great concept and they just were not panning out and that's because I feel like I never really figured out how to really write first um I kind of just I wanted to do it but I didn't really figure that out um and then like toward after my senior year had passed um I'm I just got out of this relationship um with this guy and during that relationship, I completely got away from theater. I didn't do any shows after, after, cause I was, cause before, like right before I met my ex-boyfriend, um, who Gavin is based on, by the way, um, which shout out to, Yikes. yeah, shout out to Evan Dawson, who's playing Gavin. It's so funny that his name is Evan and that the lead character is Evan. Literally. But anyway, um, I like, before, like right before I met my ex-boyfriend, which was like, um in may like right after school like ended like right after i was about to graduate um i had i done i juggled three shows so i had and so yeah senior year was like a huge year for me because junior year i did one show the entire year including this the summer i did one show in the summer and that was it i didn't do anything else if you're a theater kid like and you hear that you're like you didn't do nothing junior year like that's yeah yeah so because usually it's like three four like something like that but I did one during the summer but senior year like I was just going crazy like senior year I did Shrek and I played Donkey which is arguably like one of my like hugest roles yeah today um alongside Zachariah, which shout out to shout out to Zachariah. Um and then so that was in the that was in the fall and that was like right after start I stopped talking to the boy before <laughs> before the next boy I'm talking about. Um and then the spring in the spring that's I juggled three shows at the same time. So I did Bye Bye Birdie at my school like for the drama club. And I was playing Albert, which is which is the biggest role I have ever played. And then yes. I was doing a play for class, and I was playing like six different characters in that. And then, um, and it, it was easy, but it was just doing that and Bye Bye Birdie, which was huge. And then, on top of doing both of those things, I was also doing Anne of Green Gables, which was like my first like serious play. And the whole thing was, um, it was, it was the inaugural performance, the inaugural performance, inaugural production, sorry, um, inaugural production of the, like the, 
encore series at encore yeah. series at um Muncie Civic which is basically like for the youth program but for serious um youth performers um serious in the sense of like advanced um youth performers so you know not saying if you're not in encore you're not serious about theater but like just like more experience the, the content yeah. that they bring to you is more serious it's yeah. not yeah like it's not like Moana Jr. It's serious. It's yeah. Um, it's like the last. Tulane yeah. Or... Like the last show was um about the Holocaust. So like it just yeah, like serious and stuff. And, you know. So yeah. And Frank. So um and then the, the sh- so the what we did like you know everyone knows Anne of Green Gables. I'm not going to describe the plot to that because that's not what we're here for. But I you know I was doing that and that whole production where we were very serious about acting and we were taking acting very seriously so we had all these acting classes and we were doing all this physical work and doing all of those three things and juggling all of those three shows it was like extremely stressful and so when the school year ended because I literally missed prom to do Anne by the way um so when the school year ended I kind of was just like you know what I'm not gonna do any theater this year and then it didn't help the fact that I had met my boyfriend and I was like, oh, I'm just going to hang out with him the entire summer. And I did. So that happened. We ended up breaking up because it was a toxic relationship. Um, you'll, you'll see that when you, you'll see. Watch yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, which, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a, he's a good guy. And like, I, you know, I, you know, I, I love him as a person, but you know, our relationship was not, healthy at all (laughs) Um, and he can attest to that um but coming off of that um I had realized that I really I gave up something that I really missed um for no good reason honestly and I think what what contributed to that also is because I was in a relationship with someone who wasn't as interested in what I was doing and so it was very easy for me to like disregard everything that I um was passionate about you know because I was so focused on him and this relationship because I'd never really been in a relationship before you know and so I forgot you know that kid inside of me that I forgot that person that was so in love with stories I forgot the actor inside of me I was so focused on being around him and being his boyfriend you know so coming back out of that relationship the only thing that I could be was myself and so I started to come back into my own and, you know, started to, you know, hang around the theater more, um, did a show, um, started working at the theater. Um, and I, I remember I was texting my friend, Steven, who's like a life, a lifelong, um, was like a, but he's basically like a childhood friend. Like I met him when I was like 13, longest internet friend I've ever had. Um, I was like, Hmm. I kind of want to write a show about my life because my life is like crazy. And he was like, hmm. Be- my life is like kind of Yeah, I was crazy. like, that's kind of, I was like, that would be, I was like, that would be a good idea, don't you think? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I think that'd be a good idea. Um, and then that idea persists to, I think I want to write a, a story about me and my friends' lives. Hmm. And then I remember I would say to you and Kayla and in Chaley, um, like, I want to write a show for us to showcase our talents and like so we can do a show together because we've all all four of us haven't done a show together we've all done shows together like individually but we haven't done a show like all four of us so we're like let's write a show 
so all four of us can perform together and then um so the concept originally for this entire thing was this indie rock like indie pop kind of musical um so i remember so the first the first like installment of it technically um was called it's love after the the softies album which if you haven't listened to that like you should listen to that they're honestly the blueprint for a lot of the like bedroom pop that's out today like a lot of the bedroom pop that's out today sounds a lot like the stuff that the softies and like jesse bessie used to make so yeah you should definitely listen to that um if you haven't um if you have i love you um so yeah we were so i was working on that but i was having a lot of the same problems i was having sophomore year where um the stuff just wasn't coming out like i wanted it to um and then i kind of left that alone and then i had this idea i was like i remember i said to you a while ago i was like what if like i remember i was typing something out like these three characters i had these three characters in my mind um Right. And it was the earliest installment of what Clementine was. It was the earliest installment of what Brooke was. And and Brooke's name wasn't even Brooke at the time. I think it was like Ariana or something like that. Like it's so different. Yeah, something Yeah, random. so different. And um I can't remember what yours was, but I I I I I remember that and um I think actually I think your name was Veronica in the like the the OG, OG. yeah OG, OG. um and so i was like i remember texting i was like wouldn't this be like a good web series um and this is when i was still like fucking around with it um and then yeah. i got to the name stardust and i and originally it was because i wanted to do like this like you kind of you not euphoria but kind of euphoria and sort of it's like, thing it's like a euphoric glittery gay like feeling definitely i that wanted you get to... when you watch euphoria we want that same feeling yeah i so at the time at the time i was like i kind of want to do that and i realized i was like because because i wrote that and i remember showing it to kaylin um and that's the first memory I have of me showing something that was titled Stardust to an actual person um, which is crazy Um, so I showed it to her and this was in December of 2019 so I was not even really thinking about taking writing very seriously let alone doing a show Um, and then so January happens February happens March happens and coronavirus comes to town. Shout out to COVID. Yes, shout out to her. And so I ended up just at home. Um, I spent two weeks um, at someone else's house, who I will not name. And then I had to come home. <laughs> um, and then because my mom had to work. And then I was like, I remember I was talking to um this girl that I was doing Mamma Mia with, Laura Schmidt. Um, and she and I was like, Oh, like I kinda wanna write a show during quarantine. She's like, Oh, you totally should, like whatever. Um, and then I texted you and, and I remember I can't find the message, but I remember one day I was like, What if I wrote a Claro jukebox musical? 
and oh my gosh I loved that idea I was like you were like please do that and so I wrote this indie pop musical um this indie pop like jukebox musical it wasn't exactly like the soft just the softies anymore it was like just different artists like Claro and like all these other different yeah like Hannah Diamond and like all these different like um indie artists whatever whatever which listen to Hannah Diamond she's underrated um um so yeah I wrote that um and that was called Girl Gang and that's arguably I would say the legit first installment of Stardust because it's sort of it's it laid the foundation and laid the ground laid the groundwork for where we're at now um and I it took me about three months to write that because I started writing it in March and I didn't finish until May I didn't finish that first draft until May um right and so that and and, and that is so crazy because it's so different than um what we have now because it's just it's just a different vibe the 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 way the characters talk the pacing um the writing is really bad in my opinion um there's really not a lot of there's things happening but there's not a through line to it it's kind of just like stuff happens um there's a story but there's not much plot um you can tell at that time that I wasn't as conscious of how to weave together a story yet um, I kind of right. just had ideas that I was trying out. Um, there were scenes that you loved and you were like, I'm just going to put it in. Right, right exactly. So um, there was definitely um, some some loose ends for sure. Um, and it, it, having, it being a musical gave it a different um, vibe. But yeah, it had a completely different vibe. It was the, all the font was in all pink um, and in Comic Sans. Um, so it's a completely vi- a different vibe from what it is now, because um, now it's completely like melodramatic. Um, a guy who read it told me he was like, "This is like a soap opera," and I was like, "You're not wrong, honestly. You're really not wrong. It kind of it kind of is, yes, um, a soap opera." Um, but I remember I had this guy read over the script and give me feedback and he really took it seriously like he read it yeah twi- he read it twice um and then he wrote like I think two to three pages of notes for me and he called me and he sat on the phone with me for like two hours and he had a class after <laughs> but like he you know took that time out of his day and I really appreciate that because I feel like if I didn't get that phone call I'm not sh- so sure like I would be here today like where I'm at like as a writer because I feel like that call really pushed me in the right direction because a lot of his notes in at first I panicked because I was like I don't know if I can do this I don't know if this is right like whatever and I remember I was texting him and telling him that he was like no like it's fine like um you know everyone has every first starting out they have things that they need to fix and like whatever and then it hit me I was like this is not a musical. And I was like, right. And that was really, it was like kind of sad because I was like, I wanted it to be a musical. I imagined all these different musical numbers, you know? So it was kind of hard to let that go. Um, But then once I let it go, that it wasn't a musical and, you know, he was also like, it needs to be in comics and he's like, it needs to be in times new Roman and in black. And I was like, 
Oh, that's so boring. Yes. Um, yes. But once oh, I, goodness. once it was in Times, once I put it in Times New Roman and in black and I made it a play and not a musical, that's when things started to really move. That second draft, I was trying to copy. I was doing a lot of copying. Like I was like, I'm just going to take the plot of Bear. That's what I'm going to do. And then <laughs> by the third draft, I was like, you need to get some originality. And that's when um, the ideas really started to flow because I, I got away from trying to be like Euphoria, trying to be like Bear, trying to be like all these different things that I liked. And I just looked at the world around me and looked at the contents of it that I could take for my own story, but not necessarily trying to look at things that were done before me, like bodies of work that were done before me and trying to take directly from those storylines, but figuring out what was going to work for my world and my characters and really making it like my own. Cause what, what is going to make Stardust Stardust? What makes Evan Evan? What makes Clementine Clementine? What makes Holly Holly? Right. Like I had to um, figure those things um out and so that that was kind of like how I got to um where I am and you know in with the writing process um because I'm kind of a manic person so (laughs) a lot of writing was was during like manic episodes and it was a lot of like texting Emily and being like is this a good idea is this a good idea and me and Emily had read this listen to this right right it's a lot of reading and asking questions and we would I would ask her questions like you know do you think like this character would like this character or or do these characters work as a couple like we had a lot of these like different questions about the characters almost philosophical questions about the characters um a lot of long conversations about who the characters are and what they wanted and what they were supposed to do and what we wanted them to do and what we wanted them to be and what they, you know, meant in the context of the story. So many um, different things. Um, I really believe that me and Emily were kind of like a, a, a two person writing room for sure. Um, Cause it was just like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I just yeah. think that I, I typed everything, but Emily definitely kind of helped me sort of figure those ideas out um it's kind of like um the overseer like it doesn't none of the like opinions or anything stopped at me it's not like I'm the editor-in-chief or anything right um I gave the insight to help you like finalize decisions and make up your mind about things Mm -hmm. and and give that outside perspective that you really needed sometimes you know definitely because I think with anyone else, it's kind of like, yeah, that's a great idea, Rashad, but it's not always a great idea. And I need yeah. someone to be like, this is not going to work because A, B, C, because then I can be like, oh, you're right. You know, and Everyone's I need to be brutally honest like I am. No. And also not everyone is a writer. And so they might ne- necessarily be able to look at it from a logistic standpoint. Like they mean like, oh, that sounds really cool. And you can be like, you know, that might sound really cool, but you have to think about, okay, you wrote this, 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 and this. So if you add this in, it's not going to make sense. Like, I, so having you. Think about how it works on stage or on camera, things like that. Exactly, exactly. So that's, that back and forth was, um, that back, that back and forth was 
definitely needed. And um, I think with your extensive theater background, um, it definitely helped with with writing and stuff, which if you want to um, share your theater background with the audience. Um, uh, yeah. Um, basically, with me as a kid, um, I always was putting on plays. Like, we would set up chairs and boxes and put a big sheet over them, and then I would pop up with the puppets or myself, and I would literally just always tell my family to just sit down watch like I have a play. I'm going to show you a play. And I've always just been that way. Um, and I've always written stories. So um, one memorable story is that my best friend at the time, Danielle, um, and I were in class together in elementary school. And we decided to write a book. And it was like the three little pigs, but it was uh, like the three little cats and the big bang dog. And so we did a spin on it, oh, and gosh, I, love that. I wrote this. I wrote the story, and she, um, and I did the like characters, and we we drew it, and we stapled the pages together, and made an actual book. And I had d- done that my whole life. I've always made little books or little novels. I've always loved writing um, non or nonfiction, not even nonfiction. I hate nonfiction, <laughs> um, but fiction. Uh, essays and um, fiction novels and things like that Um, I was good at reading but also I um, have dyslexia it's it's mild so it doesn't kill me but it's still something that I have to get over which is hard and so um, writing and reading I never thought it would be like um, a like an aspiration of mine or a career of mine uh, because I just wasn't amazing at it but through my yeah. life, I was always into plays, always into writing and whatnot. And finally, um, like my mom took me to my first civic show. Mind you, my great grandmother, <laughs> the one I'm named after, Emily Irene Belcher, was the president of Muncie Civic for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, she had done shows and she had created the Children's Playhouse, which is now the youth program at uh, Muncie Civic Theater and the Muncie Civic Youth Education League now (laughs) yes literally like she she started this whole thing this whole program she directed so many shows there and my grandma would go she's a season ticket holder my mom would go she goes to every single show and then once I finally saw Joseph um, which is really funny Chaley was also in that show that was one of her first shows. Um, and Chaley has a Chaley's theater extensive. Definitely. Which <laughs> we're going to have to bring her on and get into her uh, yes. theater background. Cause it's for her it's, age. Oh my gosh. She's been performing like, since she was eight or something. It's yeah. Crazy. Like I, I think she might have more than us combined. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. Um, but yeah, I saw that and I loved it. And my mom tried to get me to audition for some youth shows at Civic, but I was too scared, too nervous. And finally, after doing my first show at my middle school, um, Northside Middle School, I finally got the courage to go to Civic. And my first show was Bugsy Malone Jr. Um, with the help of my best friend at the time and best friend now, Maya Doss. Um, she encouraged me to go. She helped me prepare. She got me on the stage, and I did what I could, and I got a part, uh, like a speaking role. It was really short, really sweet, but 
it was my first ever like big stage kind of performance um, right right i could i could um, like now that i think about it like i could definitely see you playing like jodie foster's character <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now that i think about it you're yes. definitely like a jodie foster type yes ma'am um, so i i just kept going and i couldn't stop i literally mm-hmm. did every show that was put in front of me that's how still... it is like you just get addicted to it and yes. you just keep going and yes, going and going and going addiction and literally. i've I've always loved writing. I've always loved performing. Um, and finally, you writing, I, like, was sparking ideas in my head. And I was like, this inspires me so much. Like, just talking about, hey, I have these ideas. And what should I put in the show? And me, like, thinking, because I always come up with random shit. I'm very, very creative. Also, sorry for cussing. It's, uh, whoops. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Very, very this is a safe space. It is a safe space. And I come up with things on the top of my head. That's why I'm really good at improv. So I was like, I just need to write a show. I did help write a show my sophomore year. Um, Rachel oh, yeah. Vogel. Yeah. She wrote the, um, I think it's the Liberato. I think that's what it's called. And the music. Oh, the Liberato, yeah. The Yes. She wrote that. I know what you meant, girl. Um, <laughs> and you know what I meant. Yeah, I know what you meant, girl. See, that's my <laughs> dyslexia. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I just see letters and say what it sounds like. Honestly, though, you read fast. I like, do. I'll I, send you some. I'll send you some stuff to read, and then it'll be like two minutes later, and you'll be like, "I'm done. Here are all of my ideas. I mean, here are my thoughts." And I'm like, "It's been two I minutes." <laughs> I read. I try to read as fast as I can to make up for the the missed letters. <laughs> so so yeah, I I wrote with um, Maya Doss myself, Ebony Iris Watson, um, and Rachel Replogle on the book, and we created a, a musical. That's what it, it was literally called. A musical? A musical? And um, <laughs> thankfully, um, they cast me as the lead. Um, that was an amazing experience. Shout out to them for that. But I, I, my first real show that was produced and performed and everything and is copywritten and um, I'm pretty sure published. Um it, I, I was in my sophomore year. I was around 16 years old. Um, it was the best experience of my life. Um, and I couldn't have done it without Rachel. Couldn't have done it without Maya or Ebony. So thank you to them. If they're, if they ever cross paths with this and they listen to this, thank you guys. Um, but yeah, and and now from that experience and that writing and I can help you from what I know and from your your writing and all of this inspiration that I'm getting and maybe it's just my manic episode that I'm in right now but I literally (laughs) knocked out like a first draft of a show that I'm writing oh yeah um so how do you pronounce it is it morales or morals uh it's like morales morales oh yeah so So uh emily yeah um it is say that again um so how do you pronounce it morals so it's like morals okay. but more yeah so emily's writing a show called morals cafe yes correct morals cafe yeah she's writing a show called morals cafe um it's do we, should we say anything about it or like the premise or um, do you want to keep that so, under wraps um basically it's up to you basically it's just a story it's it's almost a coming of age story but not 
um, but it's queer and it's um, funny and it's bittersweet and sad all in one. And I think and I hope relatable, um, something that can easily be understood or done by youth uh, like productions and youth groups. Um, as well as something as a main stage production, something more deep and real and rigid if they want. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, I won't say any more because it's not about my show, but um, it is. Do definitely plug your, sh- plug your show, <laughs> plug girl. Your like, show. This, is, this is our world. But, so, but um... either way, it's, it is what, or it was inspired by your works, which is. amazing and incredible and I have to thank you for that like thank you so much Rashad for like coming to me and talking to me about your show and trusting me with my thoughts and crazy ideas and thank you for (laughs) giving me your thoughts I really appreciate it absolutely and I've I've done the same thing that you've done with me I've been like hey read this like what do you think about this um does it work does it not um how do you feel about xyz what do you think i can add whatever and it's just been the best like bouncing off of each other thing ever and it's been with both i'm glad i i was hoping i was hoping that i was being um helpful because i was really trying to the best of my ability with because honestly a lot of what i've learned has been over quarantine about writing and stuff so yeah, absolutely. I'm not an expert yet, so you know, it's kind of just like what I've learned over time about writing and stuff and <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah, and everything isn't so rigid. Sometimes there are some things that you can take with a grain of salt, and I've had to learn that as I've gone with writing, but there are some things that are just like fundamental, I think, to writing, which I think we might have we, we 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 might have an episode about just like writing and how you get into that and like just like the mindset and how you can actually like go about taking that seriously because i think that's something i think there's a lot of writers out there who just haven't yeah done it yet um and so i would love to um have that um for those people out there yeah Um, and and with that being said like with the concept of my show we can go into the concept of stardust what is stardust and with your process like finally what is the outcome like what is your idea what is the basic storyline of stardust okay so i've thought about this a lot and actually i thought about this today um so it was Lucy's birthday. I mean, yesterday, technically. I will just say today. It was Lucy's birthday today. She's playing Violet. Um, and we did a show together called Camp. Um, and I, so it was basically just this play about a camp. And most of the kids were like middle school age. It was a show I did my freshman year. It was the first original work that I'd ever done. Um, and so Lucy played like this, you know, like scene stealing, like fast talking, like just like very like almost like ditzy kind of girl, very hilarious, like 
honestly the best in that show yeah. arguably yes. like just just hilarious stole every single scene she was in and she was a main character usually like you you say like the smaller characters are scene stealers but no like lucy was a scene stealer and she was one of the main characters um and so i played lewis and my character was kind of like he kind of like he didn't like camp and he um he like wore sweater vests and like sweater capes. And I remember that entire, that the entire show, I would have a nail file and I would just like file my nails while I was sitting um, down for lunch and at the campfire and stuff like that. And um, I never realized how much I had queer coded that character. Um, And my the like production team like they just let me do it like they just let me queer code this character and we never said that he was queer but we there was definitely some queer coding that was going on um in this sort of innocent way um and they just kind of let me run with it and a lot of people I think really appreciated having that character there even though it was never stated that Lewis was queer the fact that he was there, even if he wasn't the main character, yeah. but the fact that yeah. he was there on that stage and the fact that he was being played by a black kid, an unambiguous black kid at that, um, I think was really nice for people to see like, hmm, like I, I, I like this, you know, a lot of people came up to me and said that they really liked my character and they really, you know, appreciated me, you know, appreciated what I had done with the character and so um I always had it bubbling in my mind like what if Lewis had his own show what if Lewis had his own show what if Lewis had his own show and I think that was the early earliest thoughts of me trying to be a writer and so I think honestly Evan because Evan is inspired by me but I almost think that in a way Evan is Lewis um and he's like a manifestation of Lewis and he's like Lewis resurrected. Um, and I never realized that before until now, but definitely, um, especially with the whole like camp concept, you know, just like that yes. he's Lewis. Um, and so I think with the concept of Stardust, it really was about having characters who would usually be on the sidelines, finally yes. being front and center. Um And so I think it's really just like writing what it is that you want to see. And I know that I've always said that I want to play a romantic lead, but I want to play a romantic lead as myself. And I want to play opposite a cute guy. And like, I want to have that. Um, And so, you know, it's all about writing or creating whatever it is that you want to see in the world. And Stardust is just... A manifestation of that idea is just me creating what it is that I want to see. Um, and so Stardust is about taking that character that would usually be like a side character and putting them at the center. You know, Evan is the kind of character that you would see be someone's best friend and he might get a romantic subplot. He might. But we're taking him... And we're making him the main character. You know, Holly would usually be the lead. And then Evan might be the best friend. But we're taking him and we're putting him in the center. And we're kind of putting Holly to the side a little bit. Um, or Clem would be the, the the lead. And then 
Evan will be on time. It it just it it's taking those taking what usually isn't in the front and center and putting it in the front and center and having and having a show and a piece where As most of the characters As are there. Because that's not that there's not a lot of shows out there that are like that. Um, I can count on one hand the amount of shows where all of or all or most of the characters are queer, queer as folk, Noah's Ark, and Looking. That's pretty much it. There are, are no and the L word. Other than that, there are no other shows where every character or every other character is queer. But in Stardust, nearly everyone um, is queer. Um, to an extent there's like maybe two or three characters that I could with a without a doubt say are straight and that's just because I haven't decided that they're not yet so, so yeah Stardust is really about queerness and the duality of queerness but Stardust is also about small towns and life in a small town and you know people pass um Life, life in in in, in Muncie specifically, you know, because people yeah. don't know about us. Um, it 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 kind of feels like living. It kind of it kind of feels like looking living on like a small star. Like people don't really know about us or our little life here. They don't know like the beautiful little life that we have here in Muncie, Indiana. And I don't know, there's some, there's a certain magic to that. Um, and there's a certain magic to this town specifically. And I think there's a certain magic to Evan sort of being, I kind of imagine Evan as being like the mascot yeah. of this town. And these kids, these, these kids specifically being the representation of this town um, especially like this town, like Muncie, because Muncie used to be a sundown town. And, you know, so these are characters who wouldn't yeah, be able to be absolutely. in this town, mostly, especially not Evan, um, being the faces of this town, you know, because everyone has a certain view of what Indiana is. Um, when you when you think of a show set in Indiana, like you're probably thinking like, oh, it's going to be like, you know, and it's like no, it's not it's, just it, it, it's not normal people. It's, we're it's gonna not change heterosexuals and yeehaws and businessmen and women. There are queer people. There are, exactly. There's the LGBTQ plus community. There are people of color. There's literally black, queer, non-binary people that exist in today's world that haven't gotten the spotlight. Who are pushed to the side and. We know about them, but do we know them? Do we really believe that they're there? Like, no. And this this yeah, just exactly. brings them to light. This brings exactly. them forward and says, like, they are here. Surprise. Exactly. And I think Stardust in a larger um, sense, which might sound daunting um, to hear, is about people unlearning, yes. like, white supremacist ideals um to move to to be to become happier people um when i say white supremacist ideals um i mean like ideals of homophobia and ideals of transphobia and gender norms and so you have all these people who they have to unlearn these things in in order to um 
finally be happy. You know, you have, and not just the queer characters either. You have a father who has to let go of yes. the masculinity of, of yesterday. You have a father who he, the, he, you know, Ev, so Evan's father, you know, grew up in a time where grew up in a neighborhood, you know, that wasn't as safe and he didn't want his son to, to grow up into that. So the best way he knew how to love his son is, is through um, providing and, you know, you know, going off the army and like providing. And so he never really spent time with his son. And a lot of his, you know, spending time with his son was like forcing his son to do sports and whatever, whatever. And him making him into who he was, was his way of loving him, even though that that's not who he really was. Um, and so this father, I, this, so this father has to unlearn all of these white supremacist ideals in order to reconnect with his son again. He has to unlearn all these ideals because they don't fit the construct of who his son actually is. And if he wants this relationship, if he wants the privilege of being a father, because yes, being a father is a privilege, then he needs to let these ideals go. So it's not just the queer characters that have to accept themselves. It's the straight characters also that have to accept that they are not the default perspective in their in in this world and that if they don't if they don't get that out of their minds they will lose people that are very important to them um and they will lose people that yeah they absolutely. love and they don't they don't want to lose um so stardust is is about healing and unlearning and about being better and it's not about perfect people or people who are perfect um, or people who say the right thing all the time or people who are just so intelligent. It's about people who have feelings and people who are afraid, people you know, people you don't know, people you've never met, people you met. Um, it's about all of those people and everyone in between. And it's about being queer and yes. what that means across the board and everyone is at you know their own sort of uh they're at their own place with queerness you know there's there's Evan who he is already at where a lot of people are getting when it comes to that whole thing and then there's other characters where they aren't nearly where Evan is at you know, Evan got where they where they're at at like thirteen, so it's like everyone's on their own journey to unlearning these ideals. But the most important thing is that by the end of it, that they all unlearn it to move on to um, yeah a better chapter. Yeah, so I think in that in that sense, that's sort of the concept of um stardust um which did you want to talk about yeah, evan absolutely. and clem a little bit we can do a, a sort of their relationship so um, max out so um oh, okay. so I, we we have like another hour yeah um so do you think that evan and clem 
Okay, so okay, so how similar do you think I Evan think and Clem are, and how are different do you think they very are? Very similar in the way that they both know that they're queer coded, and they they kind of know their place in this world. Um, and just because they're two, they they've got such big um, plots and subplots, technically, um, and these two big stories that are going on um, that they can really relate to each other. Um, mm-hmm. But they also, they're very different because Clem um, does kind of struggle with her sexuality at times. Um, and I don't think she's fully accepted her sexuality. Um, nope. I think in a lot of ways, yes. Clem is a, yes. is a traditionalist. Think, um, Evan, he's, he's learning to become... Um, comfortable in his feminine um, ways in this world. Like, he is comfortable with himself, but he's not comfortable with himself in the place he's at or with the people that are around him um, until a little bit later on when he when he meets his certain friends and they they help him through these times. And I feel like Clem finds... It, it's, it's, she finds that same thing in Brooke and she finds that same thing in Ed. Um, and her other friends with her femininity and with her attractiveness and her um, sexuality, I think it all just comes back to the fact that their core group of friendship and their friends, like, are the reason that they are able to grow and get better and feel loved and feel normal and accept who they are and accept who they are in the world around them. Um like at definitely at points like um, and I don't want to say too much, but I know Clem is like, I don't want to do this for men. I want to do it for me. I want to do it for a a girl I might like, things like that. And Evan is the same way. He's like, I don't want to do it for anyone else. It's for me, it's for my happiness. Um, the way I dress, the way I write, the way I talk. Yeah. But starting the show out, both of them are very, I would say they have very toxic um, mindsets. And that's because they've been so fucked by the world. Like you have Clem, whose first time was like, consensual. And then you have Evan, who doesn't feel loved and who doesn't feel like he has anyone and who has no relationship with his father and who feels displaced in the world he's in um and he's this sort of you know not only is he this black queer kid but he's also um this kid who came from suburbia who is now back in the inner city and so now it's like he you know doesn't feel like he relates in that way and so he doesn't feel like he relates to that but then you know there's also the suburban kids that are in town and he doesn't feel like he relates to them either so it's like he feels so out of earth um and so it's hard for him to have a sense of self um and with be with relationships i think the way Evan sees relationships are much different from everyone else because they carry so much weight for him. And I think that's the same with Clementine as well. Um, 
And I think that's why, to me, Evan and Clementine are the biggest characters because their relationships just matter so much to them. It's like if their relationships don't work out, they will completely shatter. And that that makes them as characters fit the context of the story the most to me, especially because Evan, I think him, he, in his mind, he will find out who he is through the relationships that he's in. Um, he will he will find his, himself through these relationships. Um, it's a fallacy. It's a falsehood. It's not true, and he figures that out. But he thinks that, and that's the only thing that matters is that he thinks that. And there's no one around him to tell him that that's not true because it's yeah. not really something that he necessarily vocalizes to anyone. It's just something he's thinking in the back of his head. Um, and with Clem. It's kind of this similar, this similar thing, but whereas to Evan is trying to have his queerness solidified, uh, Clementine is trying to have her identity as a woman solidified. She's trying to feel uh, solid in her womanhood, and she sees being with a man as sort of solidifying that womanhood, like her relationship with Tyler as you know sort of this solidifying you know her womanhood and how she sees herself and how you know to be to be a woman and feel like a woman is to attract a man and to feel pretty and whatever whatever she has all she's trying to where sue evan is trying to divest from all of these these sort of ideals clem is trying to so hard to fit herself inside of them because she thinks that that is where true happiness is. Um, and so they're both trying to do the same thing, but in different directions. And so because they're both, you know, deeply, you know, insecure characters. Um, and so I think the, that is what really makes Evan and Clementine very similar. It's just like same goals, but they do it in different ways, um, which is very um, interesting to me that they're, they have the same goals, but they're like, they're going about it different ways. But I think because Evan is like, it's like an AMAP non-binary person and Clem is, is a cis girl. I think that that yes, was kind of absolutely. bound to happen in a way. Um, yeah. Um, so hmm, I'm trying to think of what I want to ask you about Clem do you like her yes <laughs> does she resemble you yes <laughs> yes absolutely um how do you feel about clim like in like I as like a her. character like um, how do you feel about her again no thank god <laughs> does she annoy I you Evan annoys you you hate him <laughs> Because Evan, yeah, Evan does kind of annoying a little bit. And well, well, I love Evan. I, I like him because she has be an edge and spunk to her, and she does have cute, relatable lines. Like her, her being into Holly or having the smallest crush on Holly, and knowing it won't work, but being into her anyway, and and silly, like just dumbly flirting with her, you know. Anyway, like no matter what, um, and and her like. 
being yeah. tough with Tyler and being being sweet and soft with Olive when she needs a friend and everything like that. Like she's a very real character. And of course, like I like her because she reminds me of myself. Um, wonder why. <laughs> but but she's <laughs> she's got attributes of like of herself that I don't have. Like she is able to at once like be cool and um kind of like with her sexuality and her confidence, which I've yet to like figure out and gain that confidence and the the comfortability and the stability of it. Um I'm yeah. still learning all of that. I'm still dealing with all of that, but she finds it and I hope through the process of the show and doing that um, and playing her character, I'm hoping that I too can learn from her and find that stability and find that um, comfortability and know my sexuality and be comfortable with not having to be feminine for boys, but be feminine for me or be a tomboy for me and just not worry about what the outer world thinks of me um it's all about it has to be all about yeah myself and what I feel and what I think and I just gotta relearn that because as a kid you're Definitely. like it's my world and y'all are just living in it and now I'm like whose fucking world is- oh sorry <laughs> whose freaking yeah. world is it <laughs> and why why does it suck <laughs> and why <laughs> why can't I control it you know Yeah, so that's a that's honestly a good point. I think Stardust is essentially a, almost yeah. essentially about going back to being a kid in a way. Um, it's like going back to being a kid so that you can move on into adulthood. So, I, like, I don't know that that's a weird way to put it, but it that's almost I think what would sum yeah. sum it up is like going back to being a kid so you can be an adult. Because when you when you're a kid, you just don't have in these way, ideals. It's like it's in like your whimsical. Mind. Just not there. Not, it's a, a very realistic and, show. With this whimsical feeling of like, because what you see every day is what you see in Stardust. Like there are queer people constantly around us. Like everyone is a is gay. Like everyone is trans. Everyone is gay. Everyone's non-binary. Like there are so <laughs> many like LGBTQ plus people around us, and we don't know because what we're given, what we're fed in the media, is just straight heterosexual white, and so because of that like it's stardust is taking a step back and being like here's reality reality but also here is this fantasy that the media has given you but the reality that the world is like what the world is and it's so weird but I think you get what I'm saying like yeah, I kind of see Stardust as being like um, this is a weird this is a weird thought, but I kind of see Stardust as being like some kind of dream that Marsha P. Johnson had, like just like dreaming of like sitting like in a public yeah. place, like in a pleated skirt and like some guy coming up to her and like talking to her 
and just people just like not giving a shit and like and just like feeling like she belongs in the world and not feeling like she has to to fight for it um because you never once hear Evan talk about how he has to necessarily fight for that um so I kind of see Stardust as being everything that those people fought for because Evan doesn't really apologize for being who he is um and I don't know. I think that's a very it's a very beautiful thing because you just don't see that a lot, especially not in theater. Um, there's just I can't call to name that many theatrical shows that have a queer lead where they're not exactly. constantly apologizing for their existence and for their queerness. And so, I definitely want to add that to the canon of just like this character who is not apologizing for um, being who they are um, and is just like standing in it, especially because I think someone seeing that and being like, wow, like I can do that. Um, And seeing how doing that can bring them so much more um, happiness. Like I think that could be really, really inspiring Um, because I know that playing Lewis was definitely inspiring for me, someone who was definitely still coming into their femininity. And even though that character wasn't that feminine, it was definitely a start for me because it was me exploring that femininity in a place where I was allowed to explore, which is the theater. And so I think giving someone else that with making, which is why making this a play is so important to me you know we could just make it into a series and call it a day but I think making it it into a play as well is very important to me because I when I want to be able to you know have it to where you know there can be hundreds of Evans there could be hundreds of Clementines there could be hundreds of Hollies and hundreds of Olives because I know that there are so many out there who need a show like this and I want them to have it I want it to be theirs um and if it's a play and a series it can be because they can they can do the play you know they can do it um and 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 a high school doing a show like this is a statement it's a statement it's like a it's just it's saying to queer kids like you do matter and you do belong here and we do care about you and like you are important um, and you are like a normal person I think that's why Evan because ha- like you think about it a lot of people have like funky names especially you think like Clementine Olive like Violet um, and then you have Evan who's Evan but I think the reason right. why his name is Evan and not something like funky is because I yeah. kind of picture Evan as being an all-American all- team and I think framing Evan as being just this all-American teen, even though he's a Black, non-binary person, is a statement because it's it's like the all-American exactly. teen can it gives have me any the vibes kind of, of look, like, can have any the kind Adams of family where they're like, it is the all-American family, but it's opposite. So Morticia and Gomez are completely in love, and but there's there's three and a half kids or two and a half kids ends up being three. Um, there's 
like a grandma and there's a butler and there's an uncle and they're a close family and they go to school and they go to camp and these things like but they're odd they're they're into spooky things and they wear all black and they're not the average thing and it gives it that sort of vibe where it's like yes this american family may seem completely crazy different to you but that's who he is like that's who they are like evan is an all-american teen there are so many all-american teams that are just like him they they need the show they do yeah and definitely definitely and i think he just sort of embodies what the new generation of teenagers to come are going to be. Um, Cause I think even though Evan is similar to me, I think in a lot of ways <clears throat> at his age, he's a lot more advanced than I am. Cause I was not like that at 16 and 17. I was still sort of coming into my own and my confidence and my queerness. I was not, like that um, but I think the kids to come are gonna be like this they're gonna just be like they're not gonna apologize for existing they're just gonna exist and they're just and and that's kind of what I, I think that's why maybe Evan kind of comes off as annoying because he just doesn't ever apologize to me for existing he's kind yeah. of just like I'm here and I'm like oh okay <laughs> you know um I think also though with Evan it's the it's the rambling it kind of reminds me of um, Juliet, the way Juliet talks. You know, Juliet just like rambles. She was just like, I was, I was hanging out with Romeo. No, 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 no. And I really like Romeo. He's so handsome. Doesn't yes. he enjoy? If I die, make us into the stars. And, no, 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 no. and I met this boy and he was so cute. And no, 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 no. I'm not marrying Paris because I don't want to be. It's like, girl, do you have to speak in monologue every scene that you're in? Like, it's just like, she just rambles. Evan is the same way. Like he just yes. rambles. A lot of his lines are long. Like it's very rare that Evan has short lines. When Evan has short like, lines, I'm like, anything is that all you're going to say? And he's just like, he's just like, yep. I'm like, hmm, that's, like, that's something weird. You're not going you're on. Not tangent. And that's another great thing <laughs> with writing is like, yeah. you know that there must be something wrong. Like Gavin must be like toxic as heck. If get, um, Evan is only saying a few words, like it's brilliant. It's literally brilliant. <laughs> right. Right. Um, right. I, so I think when we finally cast Brad, um, I think, do you think that, okay, so this is just an idea that I'm, like, throwing out in the air. That when we finally cast Brad, like, should we bring Evan and that other person on and just, like, do, like, a Team Gavin versus Team Brad thing? Honestly, I feel like... I just... It... Either that or maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe after it's, like, out. He's really just going to congeal everything. All the boys are or really going like to just that. make it click. They are. I. That's why. That's why uh, casting Evan. I was so yes. excited. So I was like, I was like, it's coming together. It's coming together. And so when we get our Brad, and we get our Luke, and we get our Tyler. Like, 
that it's going to just everything is going to just click for me um it's going to click for this show that masculine energy coming in will really just complete everything because yeah. i think we have the feminine energy that we need we just need that masculine energy to come back to us and we haven't really found that yet um we're still searching gosh i'm i'm still searching for um boys our, if you're listening and our luke and our please Tyler contact and, rashad um Please contact us. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Especially if you're tall. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to be tall. You don't have to be tall. <laughs> We're kidding. We're kidding. You don't have to be tall. Um, but you, you do. But, but act you know. And be comfortable on stage. Exactly. You don't even have to be an amazing actor either. It's a, it's a learning experience. We're all learning. Yeah. We're all you know, we're not on Broadway, you know, it's not like, you know, this is a learning experience. This is a new thing. We're, we're all learning. I'm learning. Um, I'm not a perfect actor. Like the, the performances that I'm like going to give in rehearsals, they're not going to be perfect. Like I'm going to be working myself, you know? So this is really um, just, you know, uh, giving myself the opportunity to take a role and really explore as an actor in my Mm twenties, as opposed to like, my teen years and you know so it's yeah so you don't have to be a perfect Absolutely. actor you just have to be and, and with that you know, said you just have to um, want to do if it if you are yeah. interested so, in definitely um being a part of the show please reach out to Rashad please reach out to one of the Stardust pages on Facebook Instagram or Twitter definitely you can follow us on Instagram at Stardust Muncie um yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at Stardust Muncie. You can also um, you can also hit me up on Facebook. Uh, my Facebook is just my first and my last, Rashad Greenleaf. Um, you can hit up our Twitter, which is also Stardust Muncie. Um, <laughs> you can also hit up Emily if you know her, and then Emily can just be like, "Oh, yeah. is this a good Brad?" And there I'll be like, go. "Yeah." And then you, you there, you, the there you go, you yeah, booked. So if you are interested, <laughs> or if you just want to um, follow along with. Uh, the story and our growth in the show and our process with the show, meeting other characters in the podcast to come and whatnot. Um, Please follow, please interact with all of our stuff and um, stay updated. We'll try and keep you updated as much as possible. Definitely. We're definitely going to try and be as active as possible on our Instagram um definitely gonna try and be as active as possible on here like we're (laughs) we're, this this train is moving like we're we're going like we're we're very serious definitely so definitely stay tuned for that because we're we're very serious over here in the world of stardust we might not have the resources yet but we do have the passion (laughs) and we have the drive so hopefully you know that Um, gets us yeah i'm over the Again, bridge. I'm Emily Murdoch. You can find me on anything, either underscore Emily Murdoch or at Emily Murdoch underscore. Pretty easy. Um, at that, uh, Rashad, I don't know what your plugs are. <laughs> oh, um, you can follow me on Instagram at local black dad. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Wax Street Boy. Um, and then again, my Facebook, Rashad Greenleaf. Um, 
those are kind of like my personal plugs. Um, I don't mind like follow you guys following me there. Um, yeah, those are pretty much yeah. it. I mean, you can follow my Tumblr, <laughs> but I don't, do. I don't know why. Yeah, it's just a bunch of pretty pictures. <laughs> it's just a bunch of pretty pictures. It's yeah, it's hard. It's just a bunch of pretty pictures. But um, but um, yeah. So this was um the first episode of the wonderful world of Stardust. Um, this is yeah. Emily Murdoch who is playing Clementine. And Rashad Greenleaf, who is playing Evan. And this has been the first episode. Bye, guys. And we shall see you soon.